It's really been good for me as I turned 79 years ago and stepped out of my position as the senior pastor in Good News, been in Mozambique for 33 years, and I was offered a position to work for the district, and then about a year or so ago, they changed the way they do things, changed the structure, and I was offered another position, and it just wasn't according to who I am, and I said, no, could I continue to be a pastor to the pastors in central Wisconsin, to be a consultant, to be there when somebody needs me, and just a minister, and I will, whatever God gives me, that's enough. And uh, it has been great to be a pastor to over 20 pastors and to work with uh, our churches, 15 churches in central Wisconsin, to be mentoring a guy who is just starting as a senior pastor in Stevens Point, came out of construction, and uh, told him we're going to meet together and talk together and tell him some of the things I learned the hard way and maybe he won't have to learn those the hard way. He'll have to learn somebody, that, some things the hard way because that's the way ministry is. But uh, then I got a call from Pastor Kim and he wanted to know if I would preach today and uh, the fall of the kingdom. And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And I didn't realize uh, that it was going to be five chapters of Second <laughs> Kings. <laughs> span 120 years, also bring in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Micah and a whole bunch of people. And I got notes about this thick, and then I realized that God said, you know, you only got 35 minutes. And so <laughs> I needed to figure out what I was going to do with all the information I had. And I was praying, and I, in my own way, God said to me, why don't you speak to the heart of the matter? And that's what we're going to be looking at today in 2 Kings. And basically, we'll start out in the first, 21st chapter, and then I'll kind of skip around, and we'll have the things on the screen. And here's a little outline that you might want to fill in the blanks if you're so wired that way. I love to do that. And uh, when I'm kind of listening, I kind of scribble, but sometimes I write down extra things that I had heard that either I'd forgotten or I hadn't heard for the first time. I want you to pray with me just quickly as we begin. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to speak. I pray that your Holy Spirit will give me the right words to say. And I pray that he will give those who are here ears to hear. Because they want, I want them to hear you, not me. Father, we give you the honor and the glory for what we will understand through this portion of scripture today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but, you know, life is always filled with surprises, and sometimes you wonder, what's going to happen next? And my wife, Nancy, hasn't been well for a few years, and I have a daughter that's handicapped that uh, is in the memory care over here uh, on Lily Lane. And uh, last two years, we tried to take a vacation to go see our son and his family out in uh, the Portland, Oregon area. And first, Shelley got really sick, was in the hospital, then Nancy got real sick, was in the hospital. This time, we're... About four days before, Nancy hurt her leg, and we went to see, check it out to make sure we could still go, and we got there. And finally, uh, last Thursday, we were able to go and uh, got in a plane in Mosney, stopped in the middle of the runway, and they said, we can't go because they're too busy in Minneapolis. So we sat there for a half hour. That wasn't too bad. We got to Minneapolis, got on the plane, and the pilot says it's going to take about five or six minutes because we have a problem. About 15 minutes later, it's going to take another five or ten minutes because we have a problem. About another half hour later, he says, well, we, we have a light bulb that's out. Okay, there was four guys, engineers, that were walking down the aisle to fix a light bulb. I thought it has to be more than a light 
bulb. And I don't know why that light bulb was that important, but it was. And finally, about a half hour later, we've been sitting there for an hour and a half, and he says, well, the light bulb broke off in the socket, so, and boy, when we got in the air, we were so far late, and I had told my son that we'd be at the airport at a certain time, but as soon as we, I could, I sent him a text, which is the way to do it, and say, check in before you pick us up. But we got there, and we got home, and we had a great time, and that's what I was so thankful for. But I better get at the matter here, the heart of the matter. Second Kings 21 to 25 chapters. I'm not going to read all of them because that would take way too long. But what we want to look at this morning is the heart first of Manasseh and then the heart of God, the heart of God's people, and then what God has promised to give to those who believe in him and put their faith and trust in him as it relates to the heart. So if you look at the screen, we're going to look at first the heart of Manasseh. Now Manasseh's father, Hezekiah, was a good man. He did things right in the eyes of God, but he started getting some message from God through Isaiah back then because Isaiah was the prophet that was speaking into his life saying God is going to bring judgment upon his people. And there's a very special reason that he's going to do that. So we're going to look at what happened here. First of all, Manasseh, 2 Kings 21.2. He did evil in the eyes of God, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. Now Manasseh was just an evil man. And the old adage, like father, like son, wasn't true here, because Hezekiah was a good king. And Manasseh was a bad king, but God let him reign for 55 years. And he put back up the uh, worship altars and such on the high places. He put back up the Asherah pole, was worshiping the fertility god of the Assyrians. He just put back all the stuff that gave evidence that he didn't know God at all. And Manasseh just wanted to make sure that everybody was okay with him. He wanted everybody to worship their god and feel comfortable there. And God says, this is evil. You know, evil wasn't that he did this or this or this. Evil was that he didn't love God, and he wanted to be a king that was liked by everybody. Kind of reminds me of what some of the stuff we're going through today, you know. How can we really be a nation under God and just throw away the rules and not say this is important like it used to be when I was a child? And things have changed dramatically. And I think we're going to be coming to an area, a time when we're going to become, understand how God is going to bring judgment upon uh, our land as well. And we as the church, I think, are the ones that can get the message out there. And I was so glad to hear about this. Who did you share the gospel with? Who did you lead to Christ? We need to get about that in a very real way because this is the time. And the more our nation begins to say, I can do what is right more in my own eyes, the more they're going to understand that that's not going to work for them. That's just not going to work. There are going to be so many people in trouble. Now we're going to look at the heart of God. And if you've got your Bible, you can look at me in 2 Kings 21, verses 7 and 8. And I'm going to start kind of in the middle, talking about Manasseh carving the Asherah pole that they made, put it in the temple of which the Lord had said to David and his son Solomon, in this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all of the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. I will not again make the feet of the Israelites wander from the land I gave their ancestors. If only, and I put some 
set that apart, if only they will be careful to do everything I commanded them and will keep the whole law that my servant Moses gave them. You know, that if only is throughout Scripture. God says, I will bless you if only you will listen to me. I will bless you if you will listen to my word and be led by my spirit. And I hope you're getting that. And I've been working at this relationship with Jesus for 48 years now. And I really want to tell you the benefits have been beyond my understanding. How God would take somebody like me had no understanding of who God was. I went to a church that worshipped in their own way, never heard the Bible taught, and I didn't understand what it meant to take God at his word to be led by his spirit. And in 1968, I made that decision to be a Christ follower, and God has been helping me understand that better for 48 years, but he has been helping me to understand that God is a holy God, I just wrote down a few of the names that we see in the Old Testament about God. Yahweh, the great I am. Elohim, creator God. El Shaddai, God Almighty. And Adonai, Lord. And all have mention of his holiness. God is so holy in the songs that we sang this morning. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we find that, you know, in Isaiah 66, verse 3, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole world is filled with his glory. You know, it's so good to hear that. I see the Spirit working to kind of draw this together in so many ways today, and I'm so thankful for that. Now, just for a few moments, let's just look at the hearts of God's people. And again, there is more than I can tell you, but maybe it'll whet your appetite to get in and read this if you haven't. I, I love reading the story. It's a lot of information, and sometimes you have to get in the Bible and find out what this is really saying and what's going on, but it's sure worth it to find the story from the beginning to the end. Manasseh was king for 55 years, and he had an evil heart. Am Ammon, who was his son, was king for two years. And he had an evil heart. And those who followed him, his royal court, kind of assassinated him because they didn't like what he was doing. Josiah was king for 31 years, but he had a good heart. And this took a while for me to get in the scripture to remind myself, and we'll look at that in just a moment, that Josiah was a man who had a good heart. And during his time, they found the ancient law, that ancient book of the law, and things seem to be going well. But then he goes out into battle, and he is killed. And I thought, boy, God, he had a good heart. Why did you allow this to happen? Oh. See, God hasn't changed his mind. Because Josiah had a good heart, but the people did not. They still weren't listening to God. They still weren't following God. Even though Josiah had torn down a lot of the high places and all of the things that Manasseh had put up, the people were still not willing to repent. Then there's Jehoaz, and he was king for only three months, and then the Pharaoh, Nicol, put him in chains. And then 
Eliakim became king, and they changed his name to Jehoiakim, and he paid the price to get uh, Jehoaz out of the prison, but he died. Now, Jehoiakim, things began to really go downhill fast, and you'll find that in uh, chapters 23. Things began to really go in fast. You can see God was moving quickly to bring about the fall of Jerusalem. Now, you remember, if you've been listening to the story, you know, what we know to be Israel today was divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom was Israel. The southern kingdom was Judah. Chapter 17 of 2 Kings, we see the fall of Israel, and they are taken captive by the Assyrians. And now we're going to see the fall of Judah, and Jerusalem was a part of Judah, and things begin to fall apart, and Jehoiakim had an evil heart as well. There was Jehoiakim, and then there was Jehoiakim, and he was only king for three months. He had an evil heart. He was taken captive and put into prison. And then we have Zedekiah, and Zedekiah was a king at the time of the fall of Jerusalem. And it's interesting to look, you know, God just didn't bring his people down in a day. Zedekiah surrounded Jerusalem, and for two years they weren't able to get food and water. They were held captive, and they were crying out, but still they weren't crying out in the right way. They were crying out for food, and they were crying out for water, but they weren't crying out for God to show them mercy and to restore them to health. So we see these kings and how that all began to happen and how God began to work. You see in 2 Kings 21.9, But the people did not listen. Manasseh led them astray, so they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. Now I want to just, I put this on my screen, and I, did, I had more down, and I thought, oh, this is going to take too long. But the line of Manasseh in Jeremiah 22, and I'm just going to read verses 24 and 25. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, even, in, even if you, Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were a signet ring on my right hand, I would still put you off. I will deliver you into the hands of those who want to kill you. Those you fear, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and the Babylonians. And if you read the account of Jehoiakim and Jehoiakim and read the prophecy, you will read that no king will come out of that line. And that was the line of Solomon. Now when I studied that out, scholars believe that in the genealogy of Matthew, these names are listed. And that is, they think, Joseph's lineage. And Joseph didn't have to be the king bearer. He wasn't the father of the king that we know and love and worship. If you read Luke's genealogy, and you go back into history, you'll find out that David and Bathsheba had other sons. And one of their other sons was Nathan. And the Luke's genealogy, Nathan is the son, and it flows down, and they think that that was Mary's genealogy, which meant that she was qualified to be chosen by God to bear his son. 
And I thought that was, that was really interesting to me. I think one of the things I've done since I've gotten old is have more time to study and to read and to get some of these details. When you're a pastor, you're doing a hundred other things and you don't have as time to do it all, but that's been really helpful to me. And then you say, well, what about Josiah? Look with me, if you will, at 2 Kings 22, 19 to 20. God is speaking to Josiah, and he says, Because your heart was responsive, and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I had spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors, and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see the disaster I am going to bring on this place. And I thought, you know, there are times when I wondered why God called somebody home before I thought that it was a good time. And sometimes it's to protect them from a judgment that might happen. And I think there's so many things in Scripture. God is always working on behalf of his children. And here he takes Josiah away to protect him. Now we're going to look at the kingdom's fall because that's what we kind of have come here to do today. Jeremiah 34, 1 to 3. Remember, Isaiah was speaking into the people of God's lives about the first 17 years of Manasseh's reign. Then he, you know, he is put to death. And then we come at the, into the rest of the story in 22nd, 23rd, and 24th chapters. Pretty soon we begin to hear Jeremiah speaking into their lives. And then we hear Ezekiel. Because when they took some of the people out, there was a young man named Ezekiel that was mentioned in the Bible that they took him out and pretty soon he begins to speak into their lives and into our lives as well. Jeremiah 34, 1-3. While Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his armies and all his kingdoms and peoples in the empire he ruled, were fighting against Jerusalem and all its surrounding towns, this word came from Jeremiah to the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I am about to give this city into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he will burn it down. And you will escape from his grasp, but will surely be captured and given into his hands. Jeremiah 52.4 So in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, on the tenth day of the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his whole army. They encamped outside the city and built siege works all around it. The city was kept under siege until the 11th year of the king Zedekiah. And then they went in and they burned it down. But then we begin to hear the promise of God through the prophets. The promise of God. And I love this. And those of us who have been at this for a while, we love this verse. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him out of lamentations. And I was going uh, to Marshfield just a short time ago, what, a couple weeks ago? 
There was 20 of us, all pastors. In this case, he said, I was leading the time of sharing, how can we pray for you, what's going on in your ministry, and all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking, and I was studying this, and I thought, when is the last time I really experienced the mercy of God in my life? That I really felt washed. And I really watch my life pretty closely, but still there are times when I'm sure I think a bad thought or I say a wrong thing or I'm temper's a little bit short or something happens that I don't like. And I was driving in my car uh, there and I thought, God, what do you want me to confess so that you can wash me? And I drove into the parking lot of the church and there was the most beautiful 1968 Camaro RS refinished and painted that I have ever seen. And I cried out, oh, Lord, forgive me, because I want that. <laughs> and it felt good to realize that, man, I wanted that. And I met with a pastor who he and his son had refurbished it over 20 years ago. And I said, wow, tell me that story. And he wanted to do something with his son, and they had done it. But there are times when I said, God, I want that. And he said, no, that's not for you. You wouldn't handle it well, but he says. <laughs> but then we come to the story, Ezekiel 36, I mean Lamentations 5.21, Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we, may, that we may return. Restore us, wash us, cleanse us, forgive us. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. And then we begin to hear the good news through the prophet. And the prophet Ezekiel, and you've heard this, some of you, maybe you haven't. Because this is the good news. This is the gospel in all of us wonder. Ezekiel 36, 22 to 28. Therefore say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things. But for the sake of my holy name, remember we read that earlier in 2 Kings? He's saying, what I want is my name to be lifted up and to be seen as holy. And I want that to be understood through the way that you worship me and adore me and live for me and reveal your love for me in so many ways. And now Ezekiel begins to say, this is what God wants. But for the sake of my holy name, which you profaned among the nations where you have gone, I will show the holiness of my great name which has been profaned, the name which you profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your, from all your impurities, and from all, got something wrong there. From all your impurities, but then the gospel, as I understand it, has really worked. So many things in my life. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. Now listen. This is what God is saying. I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. 
Then you will live in the land I give your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. You know, next year, things are going to line up for me in many ways. Uh, next year, my wife and I will both be 80. We will have been married 60 years. We'll be 50. And I will be in full-time ministry 40 years. And for the last 40 years, God is my witness, I have tried to learn from my mistakes and to be the best husband and the best father and the neighbor that God wants me to be. And uh, I can say, man, there's been a price to pay, but it has been worth it all. It has truly been worth it all to see our 10 grandchildren walking with Jesus. Our three great-grandchildren aren't old enough yet, but they will. <laughs> they will see it and understand it by the people that surround them and love them and provide for them, and that's what God wants us to do. Now, the heart of the matter is that heart belief leads to salvation from all that separates from God and all that prevents God's great name from being proven holy through us. I'm reading through the Bible again this year. I do it every year, sometimes the new, but for the most part lately it's been the whole, whole Bible. And this year I'm reading the historical account of the Bible. And it just so happens, I say that because it didn't just so happen, God has worked it all out for me, that I'm at the portion where I'm reading Second Kings a week or so ago, and now it's moved me into Jeremiah. And in this morning's reading, I was in chapter 32. And out of Jeremiah came the words of that song that I love so much, you know. Ah, oh, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth. Nothing is impossible with thee. Nothing is too difficult for thee. And Jeremiah began to praise God and how he was going to bring his people back. He was going to restore them. He was going to love them. But again, if they were willing to listen to him and take him at his word. Now, in closing, I'm just going to ask three questions. How is your heart today? Is it pleasing to God? Do you understand what it means to have in your heart and to live a life with his help? the help of the Holy Spirit that's pleasing to God? Is he the most important person in your life? If that's not true, why don't you get your heart today? The Bible says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I don't know. There are days when I get too busy and I don't take time to be quiet before God and say, God, have I sinned? Have I said or done something that my wife, the most important person in my life, or hurt my witness to my grandkids or my neighbors or the people that I work with? And once in a while God says, yeah, you probably could have handled this better. And I said, forgive me and help me. God always enables us to do is your heart soft today, or have you become more hard-hearted? 
You know, I was hard-hearted for 32 years. And God has been softening my heart more and more and more. And the fruit of the Spirit is becoming more and more evident in my life. And I'm reacting more like Jesus. You know, evidence that you're a Christian is not how you act, it's how you react. Especially to someone that you don't like or somebody that's done something that offends you. Can you, in Jesus' name, say, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Allow God to soften your heart. Maybe it's a relationship with your husband or your wife or a child to their parent or to each other, and you become, I'm not going to let you get close to me. And the words that come out are hurting, and that's not good. Ask God to soften your heart. Does it cause you to obey the Lord? You know, when we've read some of the scriptures today, if you understand the gospel, once you have received from Christ the salvation that he alone can give, and once the Holy Spirit has poured the love of God into your heart, you live out of that love. You don't just love. God is not going to love you anymore than he loves you today. But if you don't know that's love, it's because you haven't understood what it means to be so loved by God that he sent his son to die for you. And that he wants you to be a child that is much loved as a child of God. You know, I, in my years as I've Watch God change me and affect some of my children and affect my relationship with my wife. To be a Christ follower who has learned the lesson that they hadn't learned yet in Second Kings, the last five chapters. God doesn't want you here because you think it's right to worship him. God wants you here because you want to worship him. You want to have a time of saying, God, I love you, I adore you. I will do that by giving you my attention, by giving you that which you prompt me to give, and by singing praise to his name, what we sang about this morning. Would you pray with me? Father God, there's so much more that we could talk about, but I think this is what you wanted me to say. And if there's anyone here that is saying, man, I need to do something about my heart. There are some things I need to ask God to forgive me of. There may be some things I need to ask my wife or my husband to forgive me of, or my children or my parents. But God, Father, I want a soft heart. I want a heart that's pleasing to you. I want to so desire to obey you because of my love for you, knowing that your Holy Spirit alone can enable me to do what you asked me to do. Father, pour out your Spirit upon Bethany. I love this church. Known her for a long time, and some of the people here are good friends. But just pour out your Spirit as they desire to not only listen, but to serve and to help and to give and to share the gospel with those who need to hear it so desperately. We thank you for Jesus and the fact that he is the one who has that heart that loves unconditionally. We want to be more like him. In his name we pray.
Amen.